Chapter thirty one of Phantom Fortune, a novel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Phantom Fortune, a novel by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. Chapter thirty one. Kind is my love today, tomorrow kind while lady lesbia was draining the cup of london folly and london care to the dregs lady mary was leading her usual quiet life beside the glassy lake where the green hillsides and sheep walks were reflected in all their summer verdure under the cloudless azure of a summer sky a monotonous life passing dull as seen from the outside and yet mary was very happy happy even in her solitude with the grave deep joy of a satisfied heart a mind at rest all life had taken a new color since her engagement to john hammond a sense of new duties an awakening earnestness had given a graver tone to her character her spirits were less wild yet not less joyous than of old the joy was holier deeper her lover's letters were the chief delight of her lonely days to read them again and again and ponder upon them and then to pour out all her heart and mind in answering them these were pleasures enough for her young life hammond's letters were such as any woman might be proud to receive they were not love letters only he wrote as friend to friend not descending from the proud pinnacle of masculine intelligence to the lower level of feminine silliness not writing down to a simple country girl's capacity but writing fully and fervently as if there were no subject too lofty or too grave for the understanding of his betrothed he wrote as one sure of being sympathized with wrote as to his second self and mary showed herself not unworthy of the honor thus rendered to her intellect there was one world which had newly opened to mary since her engagement and that was the world of politics hammond had told her that his ambition was to succeed as a politician to do some good in his day as one of the governing body and of late she had made it her business to learn how england and the world outside england were governed she had no natural leaning to the study of political economy instead she had always imagined any question relating to the government of her country to be inherently dry as dust and uninviting but had john hammond devoted his days to the study of coptic manuscripts or the arrow-headed inscriptions upon assyrian tablets she would have toiled her hardest in the endeavor to make herself a coptic scholar or an adept in the cuneiform characters if he had been a student of chinese she would not have been discomforted by such a trifle as the fifty thousand characters in the chinese alphabet and so as he was to make his name in the arena of public life she set herself to acquire a proper understanding of the science of politics and to this end she gorged herself with english history hume hallam green justin mccarthy palgrave lecky from the days of whitengamote to the reform bill the repeal of the corn laws the disestablishment of the irish church ballot trade unionism and unreciprocated free trade no question was deep enough to repel her for was not her lover interested in the driest thereof and what concerned him and his welfare must needs be full of interest for her 
to this end she read the debates religiously day by day and she one day ventured shyly to suggest that she should read them aloud to lady maulevrier would it not be a little rest for you if i were to read your times aloud to you every afternoon grandmother she asked you read so many books french english and german i think your eyes must be getting a little tired sometimes mary ventured the remark with some timidity for those falcon eyes were fixed upon her all the time bright and clear and steady as the eyes of youth it seemed almost an impertinent to suggest that such eyes could know weariness no mary my sight holds out wonderfully for an old woman replied her ladyship gently the new theory of the last oculist whose book i dipped into a very amusing and interesting book by the by is that the sight improves and strengthens by constant use and that an agricultural labourer who hardly uses his eyes at all has rarely in the decline of life so good a sight as the watchmaker or the student i have read immensely all my life and find myself no worse for that indulgence but you may read the debates to me if you like my dear for if my eyes are strong i myself am very tired sick to death mary sick to death the splendid eyes turned from mary and looked away to the blue sky to the hills in their ineffable beauty of colour and light shifting changing with every moment of the summer day intense weariness a settled despair were expressed in that look tearless yet sadder than all tears it must be very monotonous very sad for you murmured mary her own eyes brimming over with tears but it will not always be so dear grandmother i hope a time will come when you will be able to go about again to resume your old life i do not hope mary no child i feel and know that time will never come my strength is ebbing slowly day by day if i live for another year live to see lesbia married and you too perhaps well i shall die at peace at peace no not she faltered and the thin semi-transparent hand was pressed upon her brow what will be said of me when i am dead mary feared that her grandmother's mind was wandering she came and knelt beside the couch laid her head against the satin pillows tenderly caressingly dear grandmother pray be calm she murmured mary do not look at me like that as if you would read my heart there are hearts that must not be looked into mine is like a charnel house monotonous yes my life has been monotonous no conventual gloom was ever deeper than the gloom of fellside my boy did nothing to lighten it for me and his son followed in his father's footsteps you and lesbia have been my only consolation lesbia i was so proud of her beauty so proud and fond of her because she was like me and recalled my own youth and see how easily she forgets me she has gone into a new world in which my age and my infirmities have no part and i am as nothing to her mary changed from red to pale so painful was her embarrassment what could she say in defence of her sister how could she deny that lesbia was an ingrate when those rare and hurried letters so careless in their tone expressing the selfishness of the writer in every syllable told but too plainly of forgetfulness and ingratitude 
dear grandmother lesbia has so much to do her life is so full of engagements she faltered feebly yes she goes from party to party she gives herself up heart and mind and soul to pleasures which she ought to consider only as the trivial means to great ends and she forgets the woman who reared her and cared for her and watched over her from her infancy and who tried to inspire her with a noble ambition yes read to me child read give me new thoughts if you can for my brain is weary with grinding the old ones there was a grand debate in the lords last night and lord hartfield spoke let me hear his speech you can read what was said by the man before him never mind the rest mary read lord somebody's speech which was passing dull but which prepared the ground for a magnificent and exhaustive reply from lord hartfield the question was an important one affecting the well-being of the masses and lord hartfield spoke with an eloquence which rose in force and fire as he wound himself like a serpent into the heart of his subject beginning quietly soberly with no opening flashes of rhetoric but rising gradually to the topmost heights of oratory what a speech cried lady maulevrier delighted her cheeks glowing her eyes kindling what a noble fellow the speaker must be oh mary i must tell you a secret i loved that man's father yes my dear i loved him fondly dearly truly as you love that young man of yours and he was the only man i ever really loved fate parted us but i have never forgotten him never mary never at this moment i have but to close my eyes and i can see his face see him looking at me as he looked the last time we met he was a younger son poor his future quite hopeless in those days but it was not my fault we were parted i would have married him yes wedded poverty just as you are going to marry this mr hammond but my people would not let me and i was too young too helpless to make a good fight oh mary if i had only fought hard enough what a happy woman i might have been and how good a wife you were a good wife to my grandfather i am sure faltered mary by way of saying something consolatory a dark frown came over lady maulevrier's face which had softened to deepest tenderness just before a good wife to maulevrier she said in a mocking tone well yes as good a wife as such a husband deserved i was better than caesar's wife mary for no breath of suspicion ever rested upon my name but if i had married ronald hollister i should have been a happy woman and that i have never been since i parted from him you have never seen the present lord hartfield i think never but i have watched his career i have thought of him his father died while he was an infant and he was brought up in seclusion by a widowed mother who kept him tied to her apron strings till he went to oxford she idolized him and i am told she taught herself latin and greek mathematics even in order to help him in his boyish studies and later on read greek plays and latin poetry with him till she became an exceptional classic for a woman she was her son's companion and friend sympathized with his tastes and pleasures his friendships devoted every hour of her life every thought of her mind to his welfare his interests walked with him rode with him traveled half over europe yachted with him 
her friends all declared that the lad would grow up an odious milksop but i am told that there never was a manlier man than lord hartfield from his boyhood he was his mother's protector helped to administer her affairs acquired a premature sense of responsibility and escaped almost all those vices which make young men detestable his mother died within a few months of his majority he was broken-hearted at losing her and left europe immediately after her death from that time he has been a great traveller but i suppose now that he has taken his seat in the house of lords and has spoken a good many times he means to settle down and take his place among the foremost men of his day i am told that he is worthy to take such a place you must feel warmly interested in watching his career said mary sympathetically i am interested in everything that concerns him i will tell you another secret mary i think i am getting into my dotage my dear or i should hardly talk to you like this said lady maulevrier with a touch of bitterness mary was sitting on a stool by the sofa close to the invalid's pillow she clasped her grandmother's hand and kissed it fondly dear grandmother i think you are talking to me like this to-day because you are beginning to care for me a little she said tenderly oh my dear you are very good very sweet and forgiving to care for me at all after my neglect of you answered lady maulevrier with a sigh i have kept you out in the cold so long mary lesbia well lesbia has been a kind of infatuation for me and like all infatuations mine has ended in disappointment and bitterness ambition has been the bane of my life mary and when i could no longer be ambitious for myself when my own existence had become a mere death in life i began to dream and to scheme for the aggrandizement of my granddaughter lesbia's beauty lesbia's elegance seemed to make success certain and so i dreamt my dream which may never be fulfilled what was your dream grandmother may i know all about it that was the secret i spoke of just now yes mary you may know for i fear the dream will never be realized i wanted my lesbia to become lord hartfield's wife i would have brought them together myself could i have but gone to london but failing that i fancy lady kirkbank would have divined my wishes without being told them and would have introduced hartfield to lesbia and now the london season is drawing to a close and hartfield and lesbia have never met he hardly goes anywhere i am told he devotes himself exclusively to politics and he is not in lady kirkbank's set a terrible disappointment to me mary it is a pity said mary lesbia is so lovely if lord hartfield were fancy free he ought to fall in love with her could they but meet i thought that in london all fashionable people knew each other and were continually meeting it used to be so in my day mary Ormax was a common ground even if there had been no other but now there are circles and circles i believe rings that touch occasionally but never break and mingle i am afraid poor georgie's set is not quite so nice as i could have wished yet lesbia writes as if she were in raptures with her chaperone and with all the people she meets and then georgie tells me that this mr smithson whom lesbia has refused is a very important personage a millionaire and very likely to be made a peer a new peer said mary making a wry face one would rather have an old commoner i always fancy a newly made peer must be like a newly built house 
glaring and staring and arid and uncongenial say salon said lady maulevrier one would not despise a chatham or a wellington because of the newness of his title but a man who has only money to recommend him lady maulevrier left her sentence unfinished save by a shrug while mary made another wry face she had that grand contempt for sordid wealth which is common to young people who have never known the want of money i hope lesbia will marry someone better than mr smithson she said i hope so too dear and yet do you know i have an idea that lesbia means to accept mr smithson or she would hardly have consented to go to his house for the henley week here is a letter from georgie kirkbank which you will have to answer for me tomorrow a letter full of raptures about mr smithson's place in berkshire rude hall i remember the house well i was there nearly fifty years ago when the heronvilles owned it and now the heronvilles are all dead or ruined and this city person is master of the fine old mansion it is a strange world mary from that time forward mary and her grandmother were on more confidential terms and when two days later fellside was startled into life by the unexpected arrival of lord maulevrier and mr hammond the dowager seemed almost as pleased as her granddaughter at the arrival of the young men as for mary she was almost beside herself with joy when she heard their voices from the lawn and rushing to the shrubbery saw them walk up the hill as she had seen them on that first evening nearly a year ago when john hammond came as a stranger to fellside she tried to take her joy soberly though her eyes were dancing with delight as she went to the porch to meet them what extraordinary young men you are she said as she emerged breathless from her lover's embrace the idea of your descending upon us without a moment's notice why did you not write or telegraph that your rooms might be ready am i to understand that all the spare rooms at fellside are kept as damp as at the bottom of the lake asked maulevrier i did not think any preparation was necessary but we can go back if we're not wanted can't we jack you darling cried mary hanging affectionately upon her brother's arms you know i was only joking you know how enraptured i am to have you to have me only me said maulevrier jack doesn't count i suppose you know how glad i am and that i want to hide my gladness answered mary radiant and blushing like the rich red roses in the porch you men are so vain and now come and see grandmother she will be cheered by your arrival she has been so good to me just lately so sweet she might have been good and sweet to you all your life said hammond i am not prepared to be grateful to her at a moment's notice for any crumbs of affection she may throw you oh but you must be grateful sir and you must love her and pity her retorted mary think how sadly she has suffered we cannot be too kind to her or too fond of her poor dear mary is right said hammond half in jest and half in earnest what wonderful instincts these young women have come and see her ladyship and then you must have dinner just as you had that first evening said mary we'll act that first evening over again jack only you can't fall in love with lesbia as she isn't here i don't think i surrendered that first evening mary though i thought your sister the loveliest girl i had ever seen and what did you think of me sir tell me that said mary shall i tell you the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth of course then i freely confess that i did not think about you at all you were there 
a pretty innocent bright young maiden with big brown eyes and auburn hair but i thought no more about you than i did about the gainsborough on the wall which you very much resemble that is most humiliating said mary pouting a little in the midst of her bliss no dearest it is only natural answered hammond i believe if all the happy lovers in this world could be questioned at least half of them would confess to having thought very little about each other at the first meeting they meet and touch hands and part again and never guess the mystery of the future which wraps them round like a cloud never say of each other there is my fate and then they meet again and again as hazard wills and never know that they are drifting to their doom mary rang bells and gave orders just as she had done in that summer gloaming a year ago the young men had arrived just at the same hour on the stroke of nine when the eight o'clock dinner was over and done for for a tete-a-tete -tete meal with fräulein muller was not a feast to be prolonged on account of its felicity perhaps they so contrived as to arrive exactly at this hour lady maulevrier received them both with extreme cordiality but the young men saw a change for the worse in the invalid since the spring the face was thinner the eyes too bright the flush upon the hollow cheek had a hectic tinge the voice was feebler hammond was reminded of a falcon or an eagle pining and wasting in a cage i am very glad to see you mr hammond said lady maulevrier giving him her hand and addressing him with unwonted cordiality it was a happy thought that brought you and maulevrier here when an old woman is as near the grave as I am her relatives ought to look after her I shall be glad to have a little private conversation with you tomorrow mr. Hammond if you can spare me a few minutes as many hours if your ladyship pleases said Hammond my time is entirely at your service oh no you will want to be roaming about the hills with Mary discussing your plans for the future I shall not encroach too much on your time but I am very glad you are here we shall only trespass on you for a few days said maulevrier just a flying visit how is it that you are not both at henley asked mary i thought all the world was at henley who is henley what is henley demanded maulevrier pretending ignorance i believe maulevrier has lost so much money backing his college boat on previous occasions that he is glad to run away from the regatta this year said hammond i have a sister there replied his friend that's an all-sufficient explanation when a fellow's womenkind take to going to races and regattas it is high time for him to stop away have you seen lesbia lately asked his grandmother about ten days ago and did she seem happy maulevrier shrugged his shoulders she was vacillating between the refusal or the acceptance of a million of money and four or five fine houses i don't know whether that condition of mind means happiness i should call it an intermediate state why do you make silly jokes about serious questions do you think lesbia means to accept this mr smithson all london thinks so and is he a good man good for a hundred thousand pounds at half an hour's notice is he worthy of your sister maulevrier paused looked at his grandmother with a curious expression and then replied i think he is quite then i am content that she should marry him said lady maulevrier although he is a nobody oh but he is a very important nobody a nobody who can get a peerage next year backed by the maulevrier influence which i suppose would count for something most of my friends are dead 
said lady maulevrier but there are a few survivors of the past who might help me i don't think there'll be any difficulty or doubt about the peerage smithson stumped up very handsomely at the last general election and the conservatives are not strong enough to be ungrateful these have no master End of chapter 31